0: Life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility, but driving shouldn't be just another chore.
1: We're here to help you find a car you love, something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back.
0: I'm Todd. I'm Paul, and this is the Everyday Driver Car to I checked out Ken Block's new Gymkhana, Terracana, today. Oh, did you? I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it's pretty cool, although, you know, we're... We're getting to the point where he's done so many. I'm kind of thinking to myself, what's next for the guy? Is this the Pike's Peak one? No, this is out in Utah. As a matter of fact, oh, it's oh, here that in one. Utah. Oh, got, got it's it. Okay. Way yeah. out in the desert in yeah, Utah. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet,
1: but I'm, I've heard about it. Yeah, really
0: fascinating. But cool. I'm thinking, all right, cool. He's done some amazing things, uh-huh. but you know, to really push the boundaries, are we going to have Moon Kana, and he drives probably. the lunar lander and probably you know high fives the crew on the International Space Station yeah. while he's jumping off something and. It's got to be cool for yeah. what's next because it was cool, but it was just dirt and rally. And like I said, it was really cool. This reminds me. But Dubai was cooler, in my opinion. Well, he's had some very cool – San Francisco
1: remains my favorite. San Francisco's L.A. was cool, but San Francisco was my favorite by far. Yeah. But, you know, speaking of this, this reminds me. I just now got sparked by this. We've talked about commercials before. Mm-hmm. There was a Pirelli – I think it was either Pirelli or Goodyear. I don't remember, but it was a tire company commercial probably 10 years ago. Okay. And the whole commercial was, imagine if the moon buggy looked more like a desert Baja buggy. Ooh. And it was astronauts thundering across the moon's surface, and it was a tire commercial. But, of okay. course, it was all CG, and it was totally fake, and it was a Baja buggy on the moon. And that wouldn't awesome. you know it, the lawyers got a hold of the commercial. And during half the commercial, it said at the bottom, do not attempt. Of course it did. I'm sorry. It's a, it's a fake commercial of a Baja buggy on the moon. And you feel like somebody <laughs> had to actually put on there, do, att- do not attempt what? Building your own home <laughs> rocket? In packing case away you a find baja buggy, launching
0: yourself to the moon. Just, to, <laughs> we do we really need to caveat that? <laughs> We've got to caveat everything nowadays. Apparently, man. Anyway, I I'm looking forward to more, but you'll have to watch it. Let yeah, me know what you I think. I need to. I it need was to. cool. I, but, you know, when we get to Gymkhana 119, I hear are we all going to be so over it? That but you know what? What does he do next kind of thing? The, guy, the guy's the guy got it figured out, though. He, he has. He's, he's making budget driving
1: fast, so <laughs> well, that's awesome. You and I are about to be doing a lot of driving and being out of town a lot. I'm realizing how much yeah, stuff are. is going on the next two, three weeks while we are actually out of town. Which reminds me, and we've been talking okay. about this, we should talk about meetups. Yeah, we need because to talk about Because in the next little over a week we have three meetups happening where if you guys are close to where we're going to be we'd love to see you
0: yeah starting off our, our busy travel schedule is apparently upon us finally yeah no kidding it's really uh yeah i'm looking at the calendar and realizing i've got a pack
1: yeah
0: uh so you're hearing this uh early obviously we recorded early but you're hearing this on friday as it's normally released mm-hmm. but we are already in seattle yep out at Ridge Motorsports Park in Shelton, Washington, at this point yep. for our inaugural 24 Hours of Lemons race, <laughs> along with two fans of the show who have yeah. graciously invited us. They had built a car. That's uh, a long story. We as need far to touch the on that.
1: The questions touch uh, on that. We need to get back to that a little bit. We'll yeah. we'll
0: do that on our wrap up post racing. Okay, podcast. you want to wait until then? All right, that's we'll, fine. We'll tell that's the fine. full story sure. because that's we, fair. we're going that's fair. into it right now. Yeah, we don't yeah, yeah. No much. Okay. But we do know the car that we're driving. It's posted on Instagram. It's a 96 Subaru Legacy Wagon. Yes.
1: We are are journalists rocking the wagon, which is going to be hysterical. Perfect. Somebody asked if we're going to film this. Yes, we are. We're shooting it for an episode of TV that, of course, will wind its way back to uh, YouTube as well. We're going to make an episode of TV out of it, which means I, as the filmmaker of the group, am very concerned about us lasting at least the full first day. (laughs) because, Because if we last an hour. I have nothing. <laughs> I have. I have to try to figure out how to make twenty-two minutes of television out of a bunch of guys sitting around going, "bummer." So <laughs> right, yeah. Right. But we've bought all our gear. We're ready to go. That's exciting. But when we finish race weekend, here's one of the, one of the many good things about the uh, twenty-four Hours of Lemons. It is not a straight twenty-four hours in a
0: row race. It's right. It's not exactly two, like Le Mans. It's
1: two days of. Daytime driving, which considering you can be full-on amateur and never have set foot on a track before, uh, it's probably good news. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's why you don't see a lot of uh, overnight dark pictures from Lemons. Anyway, but so this is a two days of driving, uh, but roughly 24 hours worth of driving over two days. But that means Sunday night we're done. Right. Assuming the car runs – We will be done either way by that point. So we're going to go to dinner. We're going to do kind of a post wrap-up dinner with the guys from the team and friends and all that kind of stuff. But if you're in the area, we have a location. We have a time. We'd love to see you.
0: Yes, that is Seven Seas Brewing Company in Tacoma, Washington. We're going to be headed back to Tacoma area because we'll obviously be flying out the next day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But that night, Sunday night, August 27th, 2017, come by. If you're in the area and uh, you're nearby, we'd love to say hello. Love to meet you. I cannot speak as to how tired we'll be, but at least that day racing ends at 3.30, we'll, so I think, I think we'll, we'll be fine. Be right. We'll be somewhat recovered. I think Saturday is going to be the brutal day. Probably. And, Sunday will and be okay.
1: We've got, I think, 6 to 9 uh, reserved in kind of the, the yeah. back room of the yeah. place. and uh, But here's the thing. By 9 o'clock, I think we're going to be baked. I think we're going to be yeah. done. Yeah, We're so, headed but, to the hotel. But we'd, and but we'd love to see if you want to come there. by, feel free. Uh, you know, No obligation, obviously, but if you want to come by and say hello, we'd love to see you. We'll be hanging out there and hopefully relaxing post race with good race stories not well an
0: hour in and but anyway I, I you know so it's gonna be interesting so that's meetup number one Right. Moving on to our pilgrimage trip, which is also upon us the following mm-hmm. week. We get back on Monday and yes. probably turn around, and leave Thursday. Yes, to go to for our trip. Mm-hmm. We're headed to Frankfurt, and we land in Frankfurt, mm-hmm. starting off our pilgrimage trip. But we're getting there a little bit early. We yeah, we try to specifically so we could do this and have a couple of meetups first mm-hmm. before the trip. We tried it last year after the trip, which, which worked, worked out great. Yeah, it
1: was fine. Yeah,
0: but we'll be headed there. Uh, pulling up a calendar now, so we'll be there on Friday, September 1st. Yep. So that is at Motorworld, motorworld.de.
1: We're we're flying into, just to clarify, we're flying into Frankfurt, but then Paul and I are going to Stuttgart to do some scouting. Yep. So we're going to be in Stuttgart, and there's this great place, Motorworld, there in Stuttgart, and we're going to be there around dinner time. We don't know where yet. There's multiple restaurants, so Mm -hmm. watch the Twitter feed or uh, Instagram, and we will let you know where we're going to wind up. But if you're in the Stuttgart area for dinner that evening, Friday night the 1st, uh, you want to come to Motor World, there'll be a way to meet up with us. We'll be, we'll be trackable. So uh, we'd love <laughs> yeah. to see. If you want to come by, feel free. And then, But then we go back to Frankfurt for the day before our actual trip starts. So that means that by Saturday night the 2nd, we're back in Frankfurt.
0: Right. And we right.
1: really liked Klassikstad that we went to last
0: year. Yeah, that was a great so place. So we're going to go Restaurants back Restaurants right there. Yeah, on, we're going to go site. back
1: there that night, Saturday night. And we'll do dinner there. So if you're in the Frankfurt area Saturday night, you want to come by and say hello. We'd love to see you. If you decide you want to stalk us and be in Stuttgart <laughs> and in Frankfurt because we're going to be in both, we'll have dinner with you twice. It's fine. We're going to be having dinner. It's going to be near cars. You want to be having dinner near cars? We're all for that.
0: And, yes, Charlie, if you're listening, we'd love to see you as well. Charlie's our friend over, over there in <laughs> yeah, Germany as yeah, well. Yeah. And uh, last year he brought me Schmucker beer from the brewery which I still can't believe. That's very funny. I've got the empties down in my basement here. And Ockham came. And yeah, we had a few people. Yeah, Ockham came came as well. So thank you guys for following and and, uh, hope to see you there. Yeah, lots of stuff going on. But we also have car debates for this podcast and lots of great questions. This is great. We've got Nick in Lake Tahoe Mm -hmm. who has written in with a different kind of a debate here. Yeah. It's all about sentimentality.
1: Yeah, he's got to navigate his wife and navigate a car that is <laughs> that is
0: in their life because of the you're right, because of the
1: sentiment of it. That's why that car stays around. We got to walk through that carefully.
0: Yep. We've also got Colin who is currently hiking the Appalachian Trail, well at least when he wrote to which us. Which is
1: the which is a weird <laughs> sentence by the way.
0: <laughs> Hi guys, I'm
1: currently hiking the Appalachian Trail. I'm going you're not right now because you're writing at eBay. Exactly right now. But he but I, yes. I, I, when he comes to but, but if you do Pacific Crest Trail or Appalachian Trail what, where, how that normally works is you are kind of either self-supported or you're family-supported so that you have drops for new gear, new food, blah, blah. So you're doing the trail. Mm-hmm, you pop out to certain cool. places that have Wi-Fi. They have lockers. You get your mail there. You send off your dirty socks and get new socks. These kind of things happen. So clearly he's come to one of these places. Which makes me laugh, written us an email, <laughs> downloaded a bunch of our podcasts, yep. and started walking, listening to podcasts. I love that you're in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> nowhere near cars, hearing about cars. So that funny. simultaneously makes me kind of wish you weren't, because I've been out in the forest and it's nice to be disconnected from all of us, but also thrilled that you're taking us with you. So thank you, man.
0: Yeah, Colin's writing it on behalf of his dad, and we'll search for a car for him. But let's just Go for Nick here. For sure. We've got a lot to talk about here for his debate because, as you said, there's a sentimental part of this equation Mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. So what's going on is, you know, he writes and says, normally people write to us asking which car should I buy? Mm -hmm. But his predicament is that his wife, of course, puts up with the disease. Which is awesome. She doesn't gripe. He said, you know, he tries to do a few things. He's got ideas. But the cars that he brings home aren't usually in the daily driver category. They're yeah. fun cars. Yeah. So he's referring to the domestic tranquility part of the equation here as well. Well,
1: he's, he's leaving anything she needs to do is disconnected from whether or not his project car runs, which is the right call, Nick. Absolutely. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Well, so she's got a 2003 Cadillac Seville SLS. Mm-hmm if you remember this car, but I had to refresh my memory a little bit and make sure I was remembering the right one. Indeed, I was. It was actually (laughs) better looking than the generation after that, in my opinion. It's a beautiful car, pearl white, cream Landau top, Mm -hmm. white leather interior. He said all the bells and whistles with just over 75,000 miles on the odometer right now. So essentially he's saying there's nothing wrong with the car, which, you know, that sentence right there is debatable in and of itself. But but he's he's saying there's nothing wrong with it. But he also
1: then in the next breath talks about he's starting to have to do some stuff.
0: Right, starting to he's nickel one diamond. He's
1: fearing that this is the beginning of issues. They're starting to have little electrical dr- gremlins. And, uh, and he's just sitting here going, okay, just replace the radiator. Uh, gas gauge isn't reading properly. I mean, you're still <laughs> starting to get the, the semblance of gremlins. But what makes
0: this difficult is why this car is in their life. Yes. So his wife's grandmother willed the car to her Mm -hmm. in her passing and is one of the last things in her life that is still from her grandmother. Mm -hmm. So it carries with it. A lot of weight, a Serious lot of weight for memories, sure. for sure, absolutely, and we can't discount that. True, I, true. Honestly, we can't. As you know, my grandfather passed in 2011 mm-hmm. at age 102. Mm-hmm. This was again the guy who bought a new Lexus at age 98 with the six-year extended warranty because which I love. That's what you do because I'm going to keep living. So why why wouldn't I want why the not? warranty? Yeah. So when he passed, he left my dad a 2009 Buick Enclave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He willed that to my dad, and it was an extra car, and it's come in quite handy, sure. as a matter of fact. Sure. And we went wildcatting across Kansas through some oil fields, and <laughs> we've he's had it shipped to Alaska. It's been all around Washington. Yeah. He's had it on a road trip from one end of the continent to the other. Yeah. He's replaced you name it on the car. And then he's given it to my sister. Sure. For yeah. her and her family to yeah. use. Her two kids, my niece and nephew, are cello players, so they need a lot of space Unbelievable. Musical instruments. Yeah. They decided against flute and went for the and cello. Went for the cello. Yes. So it really does, musicians. It really does affect the car that you need to buy. <laughs> if you decide on the cello or the tuba, it does. <laughs> Everybody
1: else is kind of like, "Yeah, I'll fit back there. It'll be
0: okay." <laughs> it's uh, oh, that joke about musicians, where it's sort of like I've crammed five thousand dollars worth of you know musical instruments, amps, and guitars into a five hundred dollar car, so I can drive fifty miles. To, to make a gig that'll pay me fifty bucks. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah of course, that.
0: absolutely. All right, so this car has come in handy for my family, so I get it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know, we're looking at it just from a well, it's useful. But I don't know that my dad is still hanging on to it that for that reason. He's been sure. able to. Sure. He's been gifted the car, and he's been able to keep gifting it mm-hmm. to my sister, mm-hmm. which has been great. Yeah, absolutely, they've loved having it. There's so great usability
1: useful. there. There's great usability there, which is nice. And, and Nick and Nick appreciates that about this car, but he's worried about. Obviously, okay, is it going to cost more than the car is worth keeping for? And he's also thinking he can get maybe 10 grand out of it. I'll be honest with you, Nick, I don't know that you can get a full 10 grand out of those, but he <laughs> yeah. thinks maybe he can get yeah. that out of it. So he's wondering if maybe alternatively they should sell it. But if they sell it, we have to navigate this issue of the car's weight, if you will. So that's something right. we have to talk about. Right. Meanwhile, he mentions in passing, did you notice this? <laughs> this man has cars. Oh, yes, he does. There's the, the, keeps the going Ford out. F-150 that is the the all-purpose beat-around truck and winter car. There is the Mitsubishi Lancer that he declares as a car they are trying to kill but just can't seem to. <laughs> and then there's the Project Car 89 Porsche 928. When are you going to sell that
0: 928, uh, Nick? Cause, mm-hmm. uh, give me a call. I'd- yeah. Be interested in talking.
1: You're going to add to your garage. It's going to be all... Por- we were talking about what's the 10-car garage. Yours is about half Porsche's <laughs> it's before we stop. yeah,
0: half. <laughs> that seems <I'm> light. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what there might earth? be
1: an M2 in there. We do branch out. There, there might yeah. be.
0: Well, yeah. So the 928's in there, and uh, yeah, that's the fun car. So he's asking for, you know, how do we delicately approach this and bring her over to his side on selling the sentimental car while it's still worth something. Mm-hmm. And that's debatable mm-hmm. because, again, things are only worth what people will pay for them. True. My dad True. has drilled this into my head my entire life. From <laughs> cars to houses to boats, you name sure. it. It's only worth what people will pay for it. And I hate to say it, but that generation of Cadillacs are worth almost nothing. Yeah. And he terms it so so appropriately here. He's He's calling it the impending Cadillac collapse mm-hmm. when things really start to go. Yep. And yep. it's costing you more than the car's worth. For and sure. Just, For sure. I mean, you're going to have to call call one of those folks and have it towed away as a tax write off. You know,
1: maybe, maybe. I'm going to dive in head head first here, okay? Because here's here's my thinking on this, Nick, as far as how this relates to your wife and this car. I, obviously, I don't know your wife. I don't know her relationship with her grandmother. But but what I wonder is this, and I think about this when when people in my family have died or people that I know their their relatives have gifted them things and those kind of things. It seems to me this is not across the board, but it seems to me that the general consensus is they're willing you something that they're hoping you will get use out of or benefit from. But it doesn't necessarily mean keep this item. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it's an it depends item. on the item. True. Sometimes it's an item. But I think when it's something like a car, honestly, unless unless this were a special car to the grandmother, maybe it was, and I'm completely off base. But if it was just the last car she had and she thought, I still have a nice car and I'm going to will this to my granddaughter, I think it's it's less about that car than it is trying to give you guys benefit. Mm-hmm. And so if that's the relationship, what I would say to you here is get the financial benefit out of the car and let that memory live on, if you will, into whatever you're able to get as a result of your grandmother.
0: I mean, does she have photos with her and her grandmother in the car or with the car? That'd be a nice memory. Of course. But in in terms of a car, yeah, that that value is going down. Let's talk about jewelry and heirloom pieces. Sure, sure. Those kinds of things you hang on to forever, you're just hanging on to them to will them yourself. Sometimes, to Whoever that might be in your family. I mean, from, you know, wedding rings to all kinds of stuff. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, jewelry and, and special items like that. But... You know, something that is depreciating, especially like this car. It's, I mean, it's not a vintage Ferrari or a vintage True. Cadillac or, you know, something like that. Well, it's a modern car, but it's not increasing in value. But let me spin it the
1: other direction. I would bet you in most cases if a relative gifts a car in a will, mm-hmm. the last thing they want is that car to be a burden. Right. So if right. this car were to become a situation where it becomes kind of a money pit, I don't think that your wife's grandmother would want that. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't want the car to have been a problem in her granddaughter's life.
0: And that's the logical approach there. We don't know her, of, Absol- of course. We no, don't I am, family relationship. I am
1: completely surmising, based on yeah. the information yeah. I have and and my own experience with things that have been willed to me or my friend's experience with the same, generally that person wants it to be a benefit to you. And if that means the value of it is a benefit versus the item sticking around, in a lot of cases, that's valid. Now, my mother-in-law – has things from her grandmother, mm-hmm. who was actually the most pivotal adult in her life. My mother in law's grandmother was the most okay. pivotal adult wow. in her life, more so than her own mother. Wow. There are items she has from her grandmother that you you will never get them away from her. So I get it. Okay. There are exceptions and that's fair. I, there are total exceptions. I do understand that. I don't know this situation, but I'm just wondering specifically related to this car, if the value of it is the
0: point more than the car. I suppose the conversation that you'll you'll have to continue to have, and I'm sure you've talked to your wife about this, Nick, and it's an ongoing conversation. But the, one of the things that pops to my mind is about projecting and saying, all right, five years from now, can you imagine us still owning this car? That's good. Ten That's good. years down the road, can you imagine our family as our needs change, as the kids grow? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, we're living in Lake Tahoe now. Maybe we move. Maybe something happens. You know, who knows? But can you imagine us still having this car and it's got... You know, 120,000, 150,000 miles. It's really just, and at some point, it just gets parked. Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, it doesn't run too well, and we don't want to get rid of it because of the sentimental value and all this stuff. And it's just sitting there taking up space. Mm -hmm. You're paying for insurance on a non running car. I'm projecting, of course. Of course you are. But 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 that's what I'm trying to do. I get that. My dad always instilled this in me is to, you know, where do you want to be? You know, envision that Mm -hmm. goal, but also envision yourself in this situation trying to make a decision. What do you think what would be the end result you know kind of picture Mm, yourself out there there, Mm, interesting and then that'll hopefully help you you know make a decision and guide you a little bit Mm, because mm. that would open up the door of yeah five years from now i don't really see us having this car anymore well Mm -hmm. why don't we get rid of it now take the value that remains as you said nick and go get something that's useful and use it as a you know what she would have wanted us to get something useful that fits our lives it doesn't have to be wrapped up in this car
1: I think, I think that's a fair assessment. Obviously, we don't know your family situation. So, so walk through carefully. Again, we like rooms full of rakes. This may be one. <laughs> so be careful. But, but my recommendation to you jumping off of that, Nick, is twofold. Why are you keeping the Lancer to try to kill it? Sell the Lancer Good point. and the Cadillac and Great walk, point. let's hope, with 12 to 15 grand. Let's hope. That's an unexpected twist. I like that. Because here's the thing. You just mentioned in passing you have a Lancer you're trying to kill and it won't die. The, the, just so sell it. Yeah. Sell it and the Cadillac. Walk away with the money for both of those. Get Because what you're dealing with, you have a Ford F-150. Mm-hmm. You need the new uh, car that is kind of the all-purpose reliable family car. Mm-hmm. And then you have your 928 uh, um, project car. Okay, mm-hmm. fine. So what if, just what if, Interesting. You sell the Lancer and the Cadillac, and hopefully you walk with 15, and you get something like, and you would have the nicest one on the planet for this, one of those mid two thousand Subaru Legacy GTs, maybe even okay. a Spec B. Okay, interesting. Ten grand, you get a nice one of those. It's Easy. It's got some nice enthusiast feel about it. It's the grown-up WRX. So you got some nice enthusiast feel about it, but it's also just a nice four door, reliable family car. You live in Lake Tahoe, it, whatever you throw at that car, it will be fine.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean Nick's mentioning you know two kids, mountain driving in mind. Of course, Lake Tahoe, Which I snowing, just think, okay, four seasons, great, awesome, all that kind of stuff. I I'm with you. I I like selling the Lancer to actually find more money, find more budget because you're insuring it. You're paying for maintenance on the car. Mm-hmm. Why not combine the two mm-hmm. and let your you know let the memory live on of mm-hmm. your wife's grandmother? But something useful for me would come in the form of an Audi A4. And I went looking.
1: Interesting. I was wondering about A4s, S4s. I made a note about those. Did I'm glad you? you went looking. Keep going.
0: I found a 2008 A4, that two-liter engine that bulletproof uh-huh. runs in every car. It's Audi's pretty much the car. engine that
1: Volkswagen has used across the board, period. Yeah. yeah
0: found one with 66,000 miles for 10.9. Mm-hmm. What a great car. I Absolutely. found loads of them. Yeah. For 12 to 15 you could get a pretty nice sure one and actually quite a bit newer as a matter mm-hmm. of fact. Mm-hmm. A4, family car, great size. I can see you tooling around Lake Tahoe all day long. All-wheel ski drive. All drive yeah. Quattro. But I did have a little bit of a wild card in case you want something just, just for sorbet for the you know, and I have, I, palette have here. I have one other as well. If oh, you're you going do. To shop
1: in this world. What okay. about the S60s or V60 uh, Volvos? Oh, that's good. Get an all-wheel that's drive. Very good. You know, it's just it's a nice place to be. You can get it for this money. Uh, it's got, I mean, look, I, I think I like the Subaru Legacy, especially the Spec B, because it's got a little bit of an enthusiast bloodline. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if we're talking about reliable family car, that's a nice place
0: to be. You got to be looking at those old Volvos too. I like that a lot. I was thinking uh, this is a wild card, and you'll you'll instantly wild card have they, they have all kinds of flaws. Of course they do, but that's the fun. But that's the fun of it. I drive a wild card every day
1: <laughs> now. You realize that this, this is what's happened. Duper. I am now driving a daily wild card. <laughs> you
0: are. That's a I great can, way. Of looking I can list at a it.
1: bunch of cars for people that I go. Or you get a Lotus Elise in the case you're nuts like me. Yeah, that's true.
0: <laughs> no, that's great. So I went looking with ten grand. You can get yourself a two thousand eight Volkswagen Golf R thirty two. They come hmm. in manual and automatics. Yeah, yeah, yeah They yeah. have that DSG manual.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm just saying they have a bit higher miles than the ones I was I were finding were admittedly scruffy. <laughs>
1: scruffy.
0: They were scruffy. We needed yes. a shave and a little bit of cleanup and some mm-hmm. love. But you know that VR6 is an interesting engine. Yeah, I'm just kind of wondering. I mean, Nick says here in his email he he's a golf course mechanic. And he's working on gets, getting the rest of his ASE certifications, so doing anything on the car mechanically, he's good with.
1: He's not stressed at all. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
0: that's why I came up with this, hey, you should get a Golf R. No, you can't get a Golf R for twelve grand, fifteen grand. Mm-hmm. What about an R32? Mm-hmm. Get And with 12 to 15, you could yeah. find a real nice one. Yeah, I see this. I see this. That'd be kind you're of You're in wild card territory, but you're not off the, you're not There's off the map. There's flaws. I see it. There's yeah. all kinds of things we could do to shoot holes in this choice, but... I'm just kind of throwing it out there. I'm staying in Volkswagen world for this one. Okay. But I, I'm liking that. Okay, I'm, I like that too. i intrigued by That's that. good. Hopefully something there has been helpful to you, Nick. Uh, and,
1: and, yeah, let us know how this unfolds with your wife. I hope this is helpful. And uh, enjoy Lake Tahoe because that's a, just a gorgeous just place. Gorgeous. It's a gorgeous place. Short break, and we'll be right back. Thanks for listening, guys. Hey, guys, I'm sure you've heard about True Car. When you're looking to buy a car and you want to make sure you're getting a real price on an actual car that exists on somebody's lot, you don't want to do the online configurator and wind up with a car you think is awesome and the dealer goes, I don't really have that one. That's not good news. So with True Car, you can, you can work around that. With True Car, you get real pricing
0: on actual dealer inventory. And, you know, also, it's not just any dealer, but a True Car certified dealer which means it's a carefully curated network of dealers committed to transparency and offering you a competitive market price so you can easily find the car you want using TrueCar and there's over 13,000 of these certified dealers nationwide over 3 million cars have been sold to TrueCar users by the TrueCar certified
1: dealer network and the average savings is $3,000 off MSRP
0: which I'm not good at negotiating but that is a good deal so when you're ready to buy visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And just keep in mind, some features are not available in all states. Let me tell you about Pete, who loved hockey
1: and always wanted to play in the NHL. Pete played since he was three and begged his
0: mom to let him stay on the ice. Why, some nights, he even slept in his hockey skates. Pete practiced and practiced until one day, when he was 47, Pete realized he just wasn't that good. So he threw his skates in the trash. But then he heard how Geico, proud partner of the NHL, could save him money on car insurance. So he switched and saved a bunch. So it all worked out. All right. We've got Colin, as we said, moving on. He's uh, the Appalachian Trail guy. Hopefully by now, by the time this podcast ended, you're home and you've showered.
1: Well, who, or even if you haven't, I just love the. F- I love the image of somebody far from everything, no reception on your phone. You were still listening to <laughs> listening. the Everyday Driver podcast about cars. You haven't seen a road in days, and Looking you were still
0: scenery and beautiful exactly, nature. And you were still, still listening about
1: cars. about cars. Because <laughs> I'll be honest, when I do those like backcountry trips, I, when I, I I remember one that I did where we shot. I, I don't know if we've put this together, but where we shot mid into the mountains, hmm. that road called Onion Valley Road outside of Independence, California. Right, right. That road goes from about 3,500 feet in elevation out of this nothing town to about 10,500. And its entire purpose is to be a parking lot for you to start hiking to Kearsarge Pass. That's the reason it exists. I do remember that. That's where we saw. That's
0: why you had kind of known about it. That's why I knew it because I had been up there in
1: my Z car to hike Kearsarge. I have this great photo that I have buried somewhere where it's the 300 ZX with my fully loaded backcountry pack leaning against the back wheel. I'm about to leave, and it's such a juxtaposition photo. But I'm, I'm relating this back to Colin because I was back in the backcountry for two or three days, which I find to be an amazing brain cleanse. I'll come back to that in a second. But in the midst of that, I kept thinking about you know what when I come out of here. I get to drive that fun road in my fun car. <laughs> right. So I was still all about cars in the middle of nowhere. The weirdest thing that happens, I'm wondering if this is happening to you, Colin. The weirdest thing that always happened to me on big backcountry trips is it's like the brain, I feel like, tries to just cleanse itself of stuff it shouldn't have. And you walk, granted, you're listening to podcasts, so maybe you're preventing this, but I would walk along and for a half hour straight, my brain would have running through it lyrics to songs I didn't know I knew the lyrics to, songs I hate, by the way.
0: Where did that come from? Seriously.
1: Just and I would realize, oh my gosh, in my subconscious, I know every lyric of that terrible song. And it would just play on a loop. Why now? Why for a while? Right then. Nothing else. Nothing else going. It literally always felt like a brain cleanse because Mm. it'd be out there in the middle of nowhere and the brain would be like what about this, jib? It's like, what is that doing in there? <laughs> so finally, work all that stuff out, and then get in the car and drive home. So yeah, well, let's talk about Colin's, uh, actually, dad situation. I
0: remember your stories about you came out of the country, and the, the backcountry stank, followed you down the hill, so you took oh, the T-tops off. Oh, man. And had the wind blowing. And you better believe it. Yeah. <laughs> go a little
1: faster. You better believe it. But that's how I discovered <laughs> so that great road for Big and Mountains, was driving so up in, in the Z car and being like, what is this road? And then hammering down it. So oh, yeah. That's
0: awesome. All right, Colin, so uh, your dad here is shopping, huh? Mm-hmm. He's got a 2011 Jaguar XF, currently with 138,000 miles on it, yep. that he loves, mm-hmm. which is great. Yep. But apparently it's time to move on, Yes, which is nice, and he's picky, mm-hmm. apparently. And he's sniffing around the Maserati Ghibli.
1: Wait, 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 wait. That That's, that's already kind of a weird headline, but the, the headline before that is my favorite. <laughs> so many of you send us a budget range. Many of you then caveat it with a Paul limiter. Yes, yes. Colin, kind of shaking his own head, said, My father's budget is $72,741. <laughs> and then he caveats, he has no idea where the number comes from,
0: but <laughs> that is the number. I mean, he nailed it. This is the budget. To the dollar. And by thusly, the, way. the budget will be Yes, 72741
1: Dollars. <laughs> I'm surprised there's not a decimal point and change on this.
0: Right, there might as well be in 19 cents or something. I mean, with all okay. said and done.
1: But yeah, then the next thing is he's leaning toward the Maserati Ghibli. Yikes! Mm-hmm.
0: I, you can see both Todd and I cringing here as we're reading this.
1: In spite of the fact it's an audio podcast, I think you can actually see us cringing. Yeah. And hi Colin's dad by the way because I'm sure you're listening and, <laughs> and you're um, already frustrated and ready to turn it off because we're <laughs> sneering at the Ghibli. Yes, here's here's yes. the problem. Here's the problem. Look at used Maserati prices. Just just look <laughs> Who at used Maserati that? prices.
0: I went shopping for used Maseratis today. But
1: but but, you but did there's what? but there's a point here. They drop so fast they whistle. Yeah. And they drop that fast because I have never heard good reliability stories on the Maseratis. I haven't heard one good reliability story. Now, I'm sure, now that I've said that, somebody's going to send me the person online from Consumer Reports that had it for 10 years and all it does is run. I'm sure there's exceptions. But the vast majority of conversations I've ever heard around that brand and those cars, the Quattroportes, et cetera, is staggering unreliability.
0: in spite of the fact they look great and they sound great. I mean, we talk about the new Alpha and the Maseratis as lease cars. These Mm -hmm. are lease candidates, if there ever were some. Yes. Because of this unknown. But if you're buying, we're really throwing a note of caution out here. And that's because you open up the door to the Ghibli, and any Maserati at this point, for that matter, Mm -hmm. and you look at the switchgear. The uh, Levante SUV Mm -hmm. has all of my Jeep Grand Cherokee switchgear, the Windows... All, the, and the it's door like window twice switches, as expensive. And it's twice as much money. Yeah. So you yeah. look everywhere and you think, okay, they rushed this to market mm-hmm. just so they could have a car to compete in the SUV category mm-hmm. and sell cars. But why don't you just go get a Jeep Grand Cherokee? Yeah. You'll save yourself money and it's a great car. So... And, and the other thing that's about the, the first step here. The other
1: thing about the Ghibli is look at any comparison discussions where anybody has driven it comparative to other things in the in the market segment like the 5 series, mm-hmm. okay? Or the the A6 or whatever. The Ghibli is not a standout in any area. So that's the other problem so i 'm going to say yeah. you, and you 've almost already said it paul, but i 'm going to say this if you 're going to spend roughly seventy grand
0: seventy two thousand seven hundred and forty one dollars if you 're going to spend that amount 19. exactly if you 're going to
1: spend exactly that amount if you 're going to spend around seventy two grand around seventy grand on a car hmm. that is sexy, which I will give that to the Ghibli i know you 're not a fan of the styling. I at least think it 's got really a sexy not. presence about it i do I, I think the Levante is horrific.
0: Yeah. Have, Have you, you seen it? one yet, driving?
1: Yes. Yes. It's, all, it's bad from every angle. Ugh. But I think, I think the Ghibli has got, it's got a sexy presence. I don't think it's a styling for everyone, but I do think it's got a sexy presence. If you're going to go
0: <laughs> was delicate. With, with a car. It's not for
1: everyone. Well, but that's true of <laughs> lots of things. If you're going to go with, that, with a car that has that interest to you, that is a, I'll also put it this way, not, an, not a typical choice of that mm-hmm. kind of five series of the world, I will say to you, you should be looking at the alpha quadrifoglio if you're going to go with a car that has those scent- Agreed. those Agreed. feelings and you're not sure about the reliability i would go alpha all day long because it is a standout both in styling and especially dynamically it can run with the best in that class and possibly beat them mm-hmm. so now you've got a standout car dynamically that also is great looking and you've done kind of a trade up For reliability, is the Ghibli going to be, I hate to say this, which is going to be less reliable, the Ghibli or the Alpha?
0: (laughs) I don't know. All we have to do is wait 12 minutes. But but to be honest with you, I would much rather take the dice roll on the Alpha. I'm with you. And as I said in our review, the other reason I will add is because it's an entirely new platform. Mm -hmm. It doesn't share anything with anything. There's no parts sharing. There's no nothing. It is fresh, clean sheet. Now, you could argue, all right, never buy the first year of a brand new car. They're still yeah, sort sure, things out. For sure. On the other hand, it's a fresh, clean design. We're not relying and we're not looking back at anything else, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is really crucial here. Yeah. Not yeah. so with Maserati's, which have not differentiated themselves in the marketplace for my taste mm, interesting. to really be an exclusive Italian piece of machinery. Yeah. The alpha does that. But we're, we still Absolutely. have questions. Absolutely.
1: But, but I, again, I'm going to say it again. If you're going to have a car where you're not sure if it's going to be reliable, I would much rather say I'm not sure about my Alpha being reliable than I'm not sure about my Maserati mm-hmm. being reliable. That's a weird sentence. <laughs> but, the, but honestly, the Julia Quadrifoglio is a fantastic car to drive. Oh, yes. yes. So I think it would be very satisfying. Speaking of good-to-drive cars, there's a mention as well that his dad, Colin's dad, what well, wish he knew his name. But anyway, hello, Colin's dad, uh, that he doesn't like the Porsche Panamera, which he could get for his money used. Absolutely. He could get lots of really nice ones. Oh, yes. But he doesn't like the Panamera because he thinks he's too cool for a station wagon. First off, <laughs> um, how do I put this delicately? Um. There are many station wagons that are far more attractive than the Panamera for my taste. However, (laughs) however, the Panamera may be my best example of it doesn't matter what it looks like. I'm going to really encourage you, Colin's dad. I agree. It's not the best looking car. Go drive one. Please go drive the interior experience and the driving dynamics. You might go. I don't care.
0: I'm buying this car because it really dynamically. They are that good. I mean, you've heard Todd's story with, uh, with your friend, you know. I like this car, but... Um I wish it were bigger. Well, sir, we have the nine eleven in a four door. Yeah, yeah, that. Will you please that follow happened me? to a
1: friend of mine in Dallas who drove a nine eleven and decided <laughs> it wasn't big enough, and the salesman sold him a Panamera on the spot.
0: <laughs> it's the best. But, it's but the best story. We have the nine eleven in a four door model.
1: But honestly, look, I am also saying this as the guy among the two of us that is not the huge Porsche file. I don't do the backstroke in the pool of Porsche, and yet the Panamera is fantastic to drive. It is good enough to drive. I would drive it in spite of the fact I don't find it attractive. Mm-hmm. And and that's a by the way, that's a short list. I don't typically drive cars and go, I'm gonna drive it anyway, I don't care if it's ugly. I the Panamera, it's like I'll take that, sure. So yeah, I really yeah. think don't shortchange yourself, drive that car because I think it may surprise you. So I would say the short list for me is the quadrifolio, the panamera, and you know what else I found? Hmm. Curious. You can get a used current gen used Cadillac CTS V for this money. Really?
0: the hot one
1: 70 grand this is most of the time new these cars are 100 grand yeah they're
0: 95 to 100
1: okay yeah. i realize this has polarizing styling as well but that is a world beater of a car with a nice interior i would trust it far more than the ghibli and dynamically it's better than the ghibli i think dynamically it gives the quadrifoglio a run interesting ctsv wagon i mean pardon me ctsv sedan because the wagon, I think, is not right here because he doesn't want a wagon. Right, it, so it's, I don't think it's appropriate here. Gen CTSV sedan used like 2016s. You can get them used for 70 grand. It's a hundred thousand dollar car. No Those kidding. are my top three.
0: Ooh, good choices. I went a different direction though. Okay. So Colin's dad's history here is a BMW X5. He loved it and drove it to 200 thousand miles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He had a used five series BMW. Had a Saab nine five which he hated. And Colin's mom drives a Jeep Grand Cherokee. So we've been talking about this already. Please do not show her the Maserati Levante. <laughs> She's good with the Jeep Grand Cherokee. So again, he's looking for the sporty sedan. And Colin has suggested a Tesla, which, good. good. Yeah,
1: I agree with it's that. There. I agree with that. It's interesting. It's a contender.
0: I I went this direction. I looked around. I thought, OK, you like the Panamera. Yes, drive it. But if you're still not there, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. here's my car. I have... The car. Really? Okay, good. And then I have maybe an adi- additional car, and then I have the super duper ridiculous blowout wild card. Alright, I'm ready. It's, I, it's think, so, I, th- I think I'm ready. It's so weird. Okay. All right. And it might be a, I'm going to treat myself. I'm going to throw caution to the wind. You're going to blow up the budget. I, I sense it coming. Here's the thing. Yes. I,
1: I will at least say that the other thing about the three that I listed is I wanted to get him into new brands, new experiences entirely. Because clearly he's Agreed. like some BMWs. He's like Jaguar. I get it. I like the fact that we can get him into new stuff. And I'm, I, I am actually literally bracing myself. You can't see hmm. me, but I'm bracing myself for where you went.
0: These chairs had seatbelts. Seriously. All right. So here's the car. 2014 or 2015 Audi RS7. Can you get them for this money? Yes, all day long. I found a boatload of them for sale for that's between a, seventy-one dollars and $73,000. That's a great choice. Over 550 horsepower. That's a great choice. Baller
1: yeah. car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. RS7. That is just, that's a world beater. It's, it, that's a car yeah. that just, it's built for the Autobahn. That may be the poster child for Autobahn car. Yeah. I don't want to run that on a back road, but if I need to get across Germany and France and Belgium just <laughs> exactly. for the heck of it, I'll
0: take the RS7. Yeah. I saw a black on black one in San Diego the other day. Ooh, ooh just ooh. mean looking. So yeah. mean looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I just I fell back in love with this car. Mm-hmm. So another choice along those lines could be an S eight. An Audi S8. Yeah. I yeah. think the RS7 is better. I think it's classier. Uh, I, and I, th- I think it's a little more interesting, A honestly. Yeah, interesting and dialed and yeah. all that kind of I, stuff. And
1: I'm a big fan of the 8s from Audi. But I think the RS7 is just, that's a unique little
0: unicorn world beater of a car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the cars that, uh, okay. the RS7, that's the car I think you should get, Colin. Sure, that. I get that, I get that. But just in case <laughs> that's you not working have a for wild you. hair and you... Got out of the other side of the bed this morning, and uh, you decided to throw caution to the wind and investigate something entirely new to you. And now for something completely different. Oh, yes. I went shopping at a dealership called Lamborghini of Dallas. Okay. I'm very confused now. They have a 2012 Aston Martin Rapide for $89,000 with 19,265 miles on it. Black on black. Wow. A four door Aston Martin,
1: baby. Wow. And my question at that point becomes <laughs> how much usable back seat space do you need? Because the Rapide honestly doesn't have a great back seat. But it's if you're not. not using it very
0: often, then who cares? That's my thought. Yeah. If you don't like the Panamera, and I thought, what's the sexy looking Panamera? The repeat. Yeah. Oh, you're absolutely right.
1: That That is, that that's is the connection. That's why it popped to my mind. I, I do
0: see how you got there. Yep. Because the the whole idea of the Panamera was four real adults have to fit, mm-hmm. and it's got to be that mm-hmm. classic 911 shape, and that's where they started. Now, the new Panamera is dramatically better. They've done better, for
1: sure. We for love sure. it a lot. Yeah.
0: But then I thought, okay, around the time the Panamera came out... What was the other competition that was absolutely gorgeous? That's a great one. The, I see the your connection. The roofline was dramatic they did it right. and beautiful. They did it right. This is usually a $200,000 plus Absolutely car it is. Yeah. Used. I'm talking. I mean, they're $225,000. Yeah, they're, they're, they're hard to find. And I went, oh, no. Okay, so those are way more expensive. They're holding their value. Wait a minute. What's this car? $89,000. What's wrong with it? I looked. Everything's clean. Everything's fine. It's black on black. It's a 2012.
1: It's a V12. It's a that's a that is a baller car. You're Rapide
0: right. for 90k. Want to treat yourself? I like your wild card. Just world. putting it out there.
1: I I do think it's funny that we are now 20 grand above the 72,741 dollars. <laughs> but I but I appreciate I, I love I, that you went there I because I like that to. we're just kind of stretching the edges. I think that's great. I
0: just had to. So anyway, chew on that for a while. You mm-hmm. know. Let it rattle around in your head while you're test driving a whole bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then this one, Cullen's dad, I'm really curious. We want to know what you get. For because, sure, for uh, sure. You know, of your picky nature and your specific Uber-specific budget. And, and if – look, I'm going to go
1: the other way. If you have $72,741 <laughs> and you buy a car for $70 can I have the other two thousand seven hundred and forty-one dollars? I'm just saying, if that amount of money is spoken for to do something car-related, I will happily take it. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. If that's the specifically to the dollar to be amount to be spent, let's not let any of it even go to waste. Not also, terrible. while you're at it, Colin, we hope you have a fantastic, fantastic hike of the Appalachian Trail. Be safe out there. We hope it's awesome, and we love that you're listening while you're hiking. I think it's amazing. And now there are many audience questions. Yes, and I a few to deal with uh, with lemons, actually.
0: Oh, yes. Uh, all right. So jump right in. I'm
1: curious. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, John has asked about lemons. And let's see. There's also Lucky Jerk on Instagram. Uh, so John's, uh, John Falcone on uh, Facebook and Lucky Jerk on um, Instagram has uh, have asked a couple of lemons questions. I want to see if I can kind of combine them. The questions are about how do I get, get this going? How do I do a car? Now, we're going to do a lot of this discussion in our piece. Yes, and we yes. have specifically set out to do it. A couple of things to know, kind of how anybody that's a newbie would do it. We didn't go buy special race suits from a race supplier. We just went in through, here's how to buy race gear, right, through the Lemons website. The Lemons website is dense, very informative. You can yeah. answer almost any question you want. The basic rules of car finding are these. You're supposed to have started with a car that you got for less than five hundred bucks. John, you say you've got a car, a nineteen ninety-eight Chevy Cavalier Z twenty four, you're thinking, can I use it as a lemons car? I think if you can convince the organizers, and it really is a negotiation with the organizers of Lemons. Yeah. If you yeah. convince the organizers this car is worth five hundred, what you've got, you've got a different scenario in that you have a car you already own, it's depreciating and probably has depreciated to a point it's worth about that five hundred bucks. But you're gonna have to convince the organizers this is only a five hundred dollar car. I don't know how that's going to work for hmm. you. It's a negotiation hmm. point. Yeah, it is. And they can they can decide literally whatever they would like for your penalty. The penalties <laughs> in Lemons, it's just it's like a frat boy drinking game. They just make stuff up, okay? <laughs> they do. So there's that. But they then do. you start with that's where the Lemons part of this comes in. You start with a very cheap car, but then they have very specific rules about how it has to be specced. Roll cages, fire suppression, you know, what you have to do to the brakes, there's stuff you have to do specifically to get it up to spec to make it race ready. Sure. So you could spend thousands doing that. And then there are people that spend thousands more just making it a joke car. Yeah. Yeah. So you can go as far as you want beyond the donor car and you can get a little bit nuts. Uh, In the case of our situation, I won't tell you the whys. We started with one car. We're actually joining these two great guys in, in uh, the Seattle area, in the Washington area, that have built the car and are asking us to come drive. So we, we get the best of all worlds. We get to yeah. come drive yeah. and not build, which is awesome. But they had one car they started down the road to. Now we're in the, the legacy GT wagon. <laughs> it's not even a GT. It's just a legacy wagon. It's not a GT. <laughs> and, it's, and it's an automatic, by the way. <laughs> um, but, uh, but this car that we're in has actually run lemons before. So it's already caged, fire suppression, it's done. It's stripped out. The nice thing about all these Lemons cars is you are going to strip them down, so they're probably going to lose 500-plus pounds to their original weight, which can only help. Right, right. But um, you are going to wind up in all of the cage and all that kind of madness. So follow the rules on the Lemons site. It's very deep into that. And um, how did we pick the car? We didn't pick the car. We're just going to drive the car. So that talks (laughs) to Lucky Jerk's question a little bit.
0: I like that. All right. uh, Quick left turn. Talking about uh, some whiskey here, I uh, I got a question here. Uh, Cajun Michael is asking me about a, a recommendation while, uh, <laughs> while voluntarily voluntarily allowing yourself to be sucked into the time vortex of browsing online car listings, which is what we do <laughs> nearly on a daily basis. For sure, for sure. Something to spark the out-of-the-wheel well thinking, but not so much that out-of-your-mind spending results. I'm going to say Chattanooga. 1816, I think there's a reserve, Chattanooga Whiskey there, Chattanooga Whiskey Company. I found it really nice, really nice and smooth, decent price. I think it was 50, 60 bucks a bottle. Not too I'm bad. I'm over here
1: hearing white noise. Is that just me? <laughs> I just hear white noise in the headphones. It's weird. <laughs> this podcast got strange for me for a second. It did. I, he just threw that out there. But, you know,
0: when we're – we all – you might be eating chocolate or I, something I while you're browsing. Yes. We're all doing something while we're browsing. We right? are. It's, it's sad. It's a pleasurable event. It's, it's, it's sad. A, yes. Yes. You know. We, I hear that. We're working and then we just switch over to huh. why, why? Why am I back on Auto Tempest? Oh
1: look, Auto Trader. Exactly. What's going on? Oh, I didn't know those cars were that cheap. This is a daily occurrence for me. I have to admit. You know, actually, <laughs> Cajun Michael asked another question that I have what may seem like a foregone conclusion, but honestly, Michael, this is the answer to your question. You said, "What is the car most similar to my Lease in driving dynamics?" But has an adult sized backseat for less than 35 grand. Mm. First off, the adult sized backseat is the hard part of this. I'm going to kind of throw that out and just go, congratulations, you have a 2 plus 2. What is the size of your adult? Because if you get a, a, a guy that's the size of Paul or myself, you get into anything that is a 2 plus 2 sports car. We've got the seat all the way back and nobody sits behind us, but somebody could sit behind the passenger. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's this thing. So less than 35 grand, there are two that I would say genuinely, they aren't the same setup as the Elise, but they are in, if you think about, Driving dynamics as a as a as a train track with the elise at the end. Okay, they're okay. on they're on the track toward the elise. Is there, there a handling the on rails comment in here somewhere? There really isn't. I wasn't going there, honestly. For less than thirty five grand, the FRS is in the same vein in handling quality, and so is the RX eight, and both of them have got back seats. Mm, excellent. So that would be my short answer question there.
0: Excellent. Well, there's a question from Mike J on here that's really thought provoking and kind of along those same lines. What car with a tragic design flaw would you go back to the design meeting and change? And it gives an example about the Mitsubishi three thousand GT hmm. being front wheel drive mostly, the BRZ not getting a turbo, AMG with only automatics, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. those kinds of things. I'm, I'm touching on the BRZ and the FRS. That car is missing a turbo. Yeah. That car's sales would have been dramatically increased. I think. I don't know that if the sales would have been bought up out the turbo.
1: I don't know the sales would have been up. But I think it would be more of a genuine discussion point contender across the board. The problem is that car would have been thirty-five to forty grand with a turbo,
0: I, and now you're I mean, selling the opposite is thirty-two without.
1: I know. Now you're selling opposite the Z car, which really isn't
0: selling. I hate to say it. No, the Z car is looking old and needs mm-hmm. a refresh and needs to be something, yeah, needs I mean, I don't disagree that it needs
1: power. I don't disagree that it That's can benefit from power. the big ones that stick out But I my see mind. that. I would say I'd like to be in the design meeting of the original Panamera, which we brought up tonight, <laughs> and just say, guys, it doesn't have to look like a 911 back end. Make the back of this car look right versus, oh, look, it's a big 911.
0: Mm-hmm. We Which, talked about a Cayman back in grafted on the, the original back Cayman. Of back, 9-11. Yeah. I mean yeah. just I, I wish I, I understand
1: as you said before, we saw when we first drove the Panamera, we saw and we were two of these guys, four guys over six feet tall in helmets comfortably sitting in a Panamera oh, going on yeah. a track. With yeah, yeah. room like headroom. Yeah. So they did that very well. That's phenomenal. But and you compare it to like an A7, and you couldn't get those guys in the back like that. So that's a success. But I still think they could have resolved that hatch in a more attractive way. That probably would have drifted it away. Well, look at the what's the new one they're calling the Grand Touring that is the actual wagon.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Where was that on the, the first design Sport or or whatever you, it is? Thank you. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Where was that on the first design? Yeah. That should have been that should have been a solve for yeah, sure. That was I I can't wait to see one of those in Germany. I'm oh, yeah. actually. Excited to see one of these on the road. It'll be awesome. That'll snap my neck for sure. For sure. I'm I'm loving that. All right. So what have we got on Instagram here? I'm um, curious. I had a few. Uh, if oh, if you could create our own racing league, this is AMC Farland 1390. <laughs> that's what we need to be doing. If we could create like our fun. own racing league, what would it be? Spec Elise? Caymans, everyday driver, touring car championship, where Miatas and Elises do battle on a track with a Chevy SS. <laughs> I'm laughing out loud <laughs> at that one.
1: The that's the. <laughs> That's the gumbo racing league, right? There, just whatever you brought, just go. It's fine. It's okay.
0: You know, we've talked about so many ideas. The ideas between Todd and I, and Chance and Edgar, to be honest, yes, it's and Tom, mm-hmm. they never cease. This is true. There's so much. I mean, we go out there and then we rein it in to try to, you know, put a, a real spin on a wild idea. Stuff we can actually do. Yeah, I mean, uh-huh. we've talked yeah, about for sure. the, the everyday driver. The you know, the usual suspects, the fleet of everyday driver cars, as we alluded to with the everyday driver neighborhood on last mm-hmm. podcast. For sure. But getting people to sample the, the best of it's like a t shirt with the, the the greatest hits kind of thing. It's that'd be the racing. We week. talked about this the other night.
1: We talked mm-hmm. this the other night. Yeah. I wish we have RSR in, in Germany that, that provides all these cars that are that are they're registered road legal. And then you take them on the track. There is no equivalent company in the US. You can find companies that have track prepped cars. They've got like two and you can rent them. Or you can find companies that will rent you a hot car, but don't take it to the track. Mm -hmm. If we had, look, I'm going to just go pie in the sky for a second. We talked about this, you and I, the other night. If we had crazy everyday driver money, be nice. There'd be lots of things. But one of the ones we would genuinely do is get a transport, the Everyday Driver Transport, and put five or six cars on there that are our greatest hits cars, like the BRZ and the S2000 and the Elise. Yeah. And and these cars that we love that are affordable, that are amazing cars to drive. And we would do track events where we brought the truck of cars, and you as an attendee would be paying to sample them all over the course of the weekend. Right. That's right. the perfect world, because our, the RSR model of having all these cars for rent, for street, and for track doesn't exist here i suspect it has everything to do with legal concerns but it doesn't exist here and we would love to have a way to get all of you that we that we talk to i mean fiesta st be in that group too it'd be three transporters full of cars it could be rolling heavy at the track but i could but i could literally see five or six cars and that gets the greatest hits done because you can be like, everything on this trailer you can get for under thirty grand. they are all good dynamically, come drive them. It'd be
0: a sign-up thing. I mean, of course. See, I'm trying to put a real-world, le- we're going to actually do it I know. on a, a wild idea no, that not gonna happen. doesn't exist. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, it's a sign-up Kind of deal, and you sign up for your laps or your session time, and rotate people through. Meanwhile, go drive your own car on track. Well, but but it this came work. up. This came up after the last podcast. With money,
1: totally. This came up. There's a lot of things in that category <laughs> uh, in, in all of our lives. But this is the thing much. came up in the podcast with Chance last week. A guy named Matt asked the question about the update on U.S. track track days. Yeah, and right. We kind right. of were concluding that what's probably going to happen is we're going to just like we did with Chicago, kind of put a stake in the ground on certain track events that we, you, and I are going to go to. And we're yes, encouraging yes. people in the area to come, bring their own car. Maybe we'll get a block of hotel rooms. We might not. We might, because I mean, you, if you live. An hour from the track, you don't need a hotel room. You're just right. going to drive home. Right. So everybody's going to kind of a la carte their own trip. We'll set up a fun drive like what we want to do with Laguna. We'll set up a fun drive on PCH. We'll do a track day. Maybe we'll plan a dinner. But otherwise, you're kind of on your own because everybody's going to piecemeal this trip together differently. Yeah. And so yeah. a guy named Ian that's listened to the show for a long time, thank you, Ian. He wrote me and asked me the question about, well, wait a minute. What if you want to fly across country and be at Laguna? How do I get a car? And this was the struggle that I was sharing with Ian. There's not a company like RSR that allows us to solve that. We no. would love to be that company, oh, but that's gosh. just not
0: possible. We've Believe me, we have batted around ideas, and how could we do that? Because there is a business model here. For sure, for sure. But you and I have concluded something about the litigious society that we're in, in the U.S. The
1: legalities are is, probably is scaring people for sure. I off, mean, the insurance sure.
0: realities. I mean, there's waivers we sign in Germany, and people are good with it. Yeah. And you rent it, and you're good, yeah. and, you know, sure, stuff has happened, Mm-hmm. But in general, all mm-hmm. I see is just success after success. You know, they hey, we had another great track day. You know, everybody came out. It was a great event. Well,
1: RSR is killing it. But RSR, a had a lot of seed money, and B they have a lot of employees,
0: and they've been doing it for a long they time. They have. They have. i they've mean, been doing, doing it since the nineties. Alphas, yes, in the nineties. The Alpha,
1: Alpha One Seventy Five experience, and he was bringing on still Alpha guys. Back. I know. He's got—watch our pilgrimage film. They've got, like, the graveyard of old cars from RSR, and
0: it is a shocking display of old metal out (laughs) there, for sure. Yeah, most of them are still out there. Well, this ties into EST Vicentia's question, also on Instagram, asking about the ST Octane Academy. Mm -hmm. And he said he came out to Utah, did the ST Octane Academy, but his actual laps were during a torrential downpour. (laughs) And kind of harrowing. And he said he did learn a lot, but he had to put the morning's lessons to use just to avoid spinning several times on track. And he's asking us, would this have been a better day, more fun and more or less educational on dry track rather than in wet weather? Hmm. This is an interesting question. And you've come to experience this. Obviously, you and I drove in the dry, Mm -hmm. both cars. The dry is only going to increase your speeds, and that's what we're looking for. When we think track, we want speed. Theoretically, yeah. We want to not worry about it. We're looking for racing line. But I have to say, your education level went through the roof in terms of tire management in the rain,
1: and And you're
0: managing your speed. You're not Mm -hmm. on open or, or I guess, closed roads. I guess the public roads where the speed limit is limited, and you say, okay, I'll just go 30 here. You're on track.
1: You can find the edges for sure. Think
0: about... The racing in the rain Mm -hmm. kinds of stuff, Mm -hmm. the Formula One drivers do, the Le Mans drivers, Mm -hmm. worldwide, these guys race rain or shine. Totally, totally, yeah. So therefore, yeah, it still matters. Mm -hmm. All the racing done is not always in the dry. Absolutely. And the drivers who really are amazing, they shine actually in the rain. Great point, great point. Ayrton Senna, Lewis Hamilton, on and on. Mm -hmm. They're way out front and you can you just think to yourself even Jensen Button was great in the rain
1: well Max's Verstappen uh, yeah. lap last year where was yes. it it was he had one that it was just like everybody went where did this kid come from and just was just, he was picking people off in the rain in the rain i so, was, i was so <laughs> impressed with that drive
0: it's amazing so it almost in a strange way don't look at it as a disappointment. Of course, mm-hmm. you want to do it in the dry. Of oh, course, sure, everybody sure, sure. does. But look at it as you you arrived at the next level, my friend, because you were racing in the rain. You are mm-hmm. doing the things that that really separates the good drivers from the rest of the pack. Because, you know, we could argue that, all right, everybody can punch it. Everybody knows the racing line sure. in the dry. Theoretically, theoretically. All right. I mean, you know, that's ideal racing conditions. But then in the rain, when you throw, mm-hmm. you know, different tires and slick track and all this stuff— it's an entirely different thing.
1: Well, I'm glad you're putting it very well. One of the things I want to do, just kind of to headline it a little bit, is, is just say this. I do think if you'd been in the dry, you might have had personally felt like you had more fun okay, because your sure. stress level would have been lower and you would have felt like, I'm really pushing and I'm having more fun. I do not think you could have learned more than the rain. I think you right. learned more in the rain. Right. I'm sure you were far more stressed. I do think the fun kind of, you would have walked off the track on the dry day and been like, that was so much fun. More so than your rainy day. You I probably agree with walked that. off a little stressed, a little that. sweaty. But the driving experience, honestly, to some degree, I'm jealous. And and I have to say, mm. when we did our pilgrimage trip, as much as it was daunting <laughs> for both of us, we started our first laps ever on spa in the rain. <laughs> in the rain. Without an instructor. Yeah. And so, by the time the track dried off in the afternoon, it was like, "Well, now I'm just having fun." Right, right. But talk about trial by fire, or in this case, trial by rain. That that was Mm -hmm. just—it was kind of the perfect way to try Spa, because Spa is legendary
0: for weird weather, and we were there, and it was like, "It's pouring rain." Here's the keys. Have fun. (laughs) Bye bye. Yeah, it's it. It struck me as we're talking it through here because you see, you know, most of them amazing drives. It was a rain lap. And mm-hmm. you did that in the rain, mm-hmm. oh my gosh. You know, all those things. That it just it raises the bar significantly in weather. And I just yeah, I think you learned a ton and That's cool. That's cool. You've got to do it in the drive course, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think you're you missed out in any way. I
1: have I'm gonna take a question that we got and I'm gonna turn it into a question for all of you listening. Mm. Matthew Green on Facebook asked, as we're developing, as we're adding new parts of the brand, we have the podcast, we have the features, we have the YouTube uh. stuff, we have the TV stuff, we're, we're selling you know, a lot more merchandise now. As we're doing all of these things, have we thought about developing an Everyday Driver app, like a central hub app mm. for the show? We have been approached actually recently by somebody else in the show that actually builds these and kind of said, hey, guys, do you want to do this? I'm going to ask an honest question here. Matthew, and everyone listening, and I'll, and I'll post this on the on Facebook and Twitter tomorrow, and I'd be more than happy. Maybe I'll post it as a poll. Would you? Do you want one is the bigger question because in my mind, in my mind, I, my mind, I feel like, and, and, and I'm not, look, I do not claim to be the cutting-edge tech savvy. I don't claim to be that at all. But in my mind, I feel like the everyone has an app and you must get every app you can think of for every brand on the planet. I feel like that was three or four or five years ago. Agreed. I feel like that has died down a bit now. We're on the back end of that wave. You don't have to have everybody's app. Right, right. So if we introduce one into that market, do you guys want one? We could build one. We've thought Mm. about it. We've actually thought of some other things that are car debate related. We'd love to integrate into an app like that. Right. But to be honest, I don't want to go through the trouble. And this is me being very transparent. I don't want to go through the trouble
0: for 100 people to download an app. Right. And... You know, generally speaking it'd be a free app because it, it would have to tie into something, you know, probably advertising related. How would that be integrated? It it's it's a lot of stuff to think through. It's mm-hmm. a huge question, mm-hmm. bigger than oh, it'd be a great hub to get, you know, yeah. access to everything. I agree. But already, the Everyday Driver website is mobile-friendly. So True. we can consider that the hub right now. That it, it serves a similar purpose without do? being, yeah. Mm-hmm. It needs to do more. It needs to go beyond. And as mm-hmm. you said, we've been thinking about some ideas that are related to the debate in general at a, at a wider level that we're thinking about integrating. But TBD on that. But, I mean, you're asking a very pertinent How question this...
1: to discussions we're already having. But I'm I'm genuinely asking all of you listening – do you want an app? Mm-hmm. Would you
0: use an app? Mm-hmm. I, I, and, and I'm asking that from a place of complete ignorance. I like that. All right, so we've got to have an easy question in here. Well, I think 2T47MM thought it was easy since Todd cannot take his car through an automatic car wash. <laughs> this is true.
1: Because <laughs> I'll avoid the warranty if you were listening you along before. Avoid uh-huh. the warranty.
0: And I won't because it's, well, me. Uh huh. How do you guys wash your cars in the heart of winter? Easy peasy. The answer <laughs> put on a jacket, besides putting on a jacket, scarf, mucklucks, your ski goggles, bundling up. But the answer is warm water, my friend. You hook your hose to a warm water source, hose down the driveway, the ice starts to melt. You've created your own little oasis in your driveway with warm water. Now, you
1: can't see me shaking my head, <laughs> so I have to verbalize now, now, the fact that I am <clears> currently
0: shaking my head. When it's really cold, that's gonna to turn to ice really quickly and believe me, I've pushed the boundaries because it's been like thirty five degrees out, and I'll be washing the car and this spot has turned to ice over here, and I nearly kill myself exactly because I hit a patch of ice because and you I didn't fell wear down. your crampons while you're trying to wash <laughs> your car, so that's my own fault but a few times this last February, it climbed to 44 degrees. I'm like, I'm washing my car. Of course you are. I'm did. getting out there. I remember, yeah. I mean, warm, warm bucket of water. Everything's warm. Keep it warm.
1: Here's my answer. The Elise <laughs> is going to sit in the garage all winter, and I'm going to have a winter beater <laughs> exactly. that I can take through the automatic car wash. That's my answer.
0: <laughs> exactly. It's
1: going to be a winter beater that has an actual normal roof and doesn't have anything in the manual that says if you wash this car, you've voided the warranty. That car's going straight through the automatic <laughs> car wash, my friends. I mean, I'm fine with it. uh, Yeah. fine with it.
0: I I hear you. I mean, for my car, it's just, I want to get it out. It's got to, I know, get, you know, baby's got to get some exercise in the winter too. That'll be the struggle for me.
1: That'll be the struggle for me this winter because there's going to be times I want to get the release out when it's okay. It's going to be 45, 50 degrees today. Mm-hmm. And I'll just go give it some exercise.
0: The roads are clear, dry, but it's still cold. Exactly. exactly. It's still doable that'll on be, the summer tires. That'll be
1: the only time I'm putting put the car out. But, of course, I'm not going to put the car out and push it because it is – you're getting down to the, the place where those tires turn into hockey pucks. And
0: your driveway is going to have to be plowed down, I, to, the, absolutely it is. down absolutely to nothing it is. to get the I mean, car I, out of
1: I told you last uh, – this, this past spring in the FRS, there were a few times I was taking my son to school, and it was like 25 degrees in the morning.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And – the, of course, I changed the tires out because I'm, I'm talking. I'm talking like April now. Okay, Okay, sure. Tw- like 25 degrees in the morning, and while driving him to school, I can tell. I can tell that these tires. They do. I'm, it's not a joke. They feel like hockey pucks. They have no give at all. Yikes. Feels terrible. Yikes! But then I start commuting, and it gets a little bit later, and now I'm commuting, and it's 35, which is still too cold for the tires. Yeah. But I'm coming home, and it's 65.
0: Sure, sure. It's warmed up. Everything's all in melting. the same day. Yeah.
1: You know, there wasn't any moisture on the ground when I started, but it was just darn cold. Yeah, yeah. That'll, be, that'll be the struggle is figuring out the days <laughs> to take the Elise out that's, that's clear and dry, but just warm enough to give it some exercise, not really push it, put it back in the garage and say, all right, see you in another month.
0: I mean, you're going to have to deal with people looking at you like you're a crazy person, like you've got a third ear growing out of your forehead. Like, I, what is people, he doing in that people car? People
1: always look at me like I'm a crazy person. <laughs> well, it, it's happened for years. <laughs> it can be the car. It can be the haircut. It can be the fact that I'm just goofy looking. People look at me like I'm insane. And somehow my son has embraced this. He just decided that his father's funny.
0: So there you go. <laughs> well, you've got a cool car to go along with it. So I love that you guys are getting out and doing stuff together. It's so fun. It's fun it's to great. see. So. And I'm and I'm loving that car. I'm loving that car. It's love funny. It. Every time I, I leave it. my driveway, I'm like, I love this car, which is great. I, I, I
1: love that experience. And I wish, not in the lease, but I wish that experience for all of you listening. You <laughs> just have that car that when you drive it, you just think,
0: yes, I'm glad I own this. Maybe that's what the app needs to do. It needs to somehow translate that experience. I guess that's the next level of... Uh, you know, integration and yeah. tech and I the automated know.
1: car debate. Yep. Yeah, there you go.
0: We'll see. Well, guys, thank you so much. Don't forget the meetups. As we said at the top of the podcast, mm-hmm. we are racing at this point. We are not sure what we're in for, but. Subaru Legacy Wagon, here we, here we go.
1: Yeah. The, the journalists are driving a wagon, which is awesome. And big shout out and thank you to uh, the guys that are helping us get this car set up and allowing us to drive with them. Yeah. We will see what, the, what madness ensues and the fun shoot that will ensue. Uh, both Chance and yeah. Edgar are going with us. That's great. So remember, Sunday night, this coming Sunday, you're listening to this on a Friday, the coming Sunday, if you're in the Tacoma area, we're going to be at that brewing company. And uh, then the following weekend, it'll be Friday night, Stuttgart, Saturday night, Frankfurt. That's yep. a crazy sentence, but it's happening and then pilgrimage trip. There's a lot going on. So cool.
0: Thanks again, guys. Looking forward to next time. We'll be podcasting. Uh, yeah, wrapping up the uh, the 24 Hours of Lemons and lots more to come. So Headed off to Europe, yeah. Thank you much. Looking forward to next. Cheers. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could, Sadly, she has no brain. However, when an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life.